Today's edition of Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast, is brought to you by the HTM Podcast Network, still online, hittingthemarks.com. Also brought to you by the Hameen Media Group, hackerhameen.podbean.com. The previous episodes still available on the feed for your listening enjoyment, previewing the New Japan Cup, reviewing all the shows, as well as the Together Project. We're also now available on the podcast World Hustle, pwhustlenetworks.podbean.com. Shout out to Big Ray Hernandez. He was supposed to join me on this show, but Big Ray going under the knife, getting some surgery done. So we'll get Big Ray on the show as soon as we can. But this week, I'm joined by my favorite Huckleberry, the real RBV. You can also find us over at ndpw.com at thegorillaposition.com, where they tell the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and of course, iHeartRadio. Just search Destino, a New Japan pro wrestling podcast. Hami Media is sponsored by Vince Russo's The Brand, as well as The Brosters, the official coffee of Mr. Vince Russo. Also brought to you by Stevie Richards Fitness, and of course, ProWrestlingTees.com, the only place to get the best merch from all of your favorite independent wrestlers, as well as a lot of the New Japan talent. On today's show, I am joined by the real RBV, my favorite Huckleberry, Richard Bronson Vickery, to discuss the finals of the New Japan Cup as well as New Japan's Dominion that went down over the weekend. Also have a lot of stardom news to talk about that I'm going to try to get through as fast as I can because me and Rick went really, really long talking about New Japan and I'm trying to keep these shows short. So let's go ahead. We'll jump into it. But first, my friends from Down Under, this is Knife Party. You blocked me on Facebook and now you're going to die. So stardom news. Had a couple of stardom shows go down over the course of the last weekend. Wanted to go ahead and run through the results for you. Get you up to date on the latest and greatest things going on in the world of stardom. The July 11th show, Jungle Kayona and Konami defeat the team of Death Yamasan and Rina. Jungle Kayona finally making her return to the ring. Good to see Kayona back. Queen's Quest, Otami Hayashita and Saya Kamatani defeat the team of Tam Nakano and Saya. Shuri defeats the Starlight Kid. Mayu Iwatani and Riho defeat the Queen's Quest team of Momo and AZM. And then in your main event, Oedo Tai, Natsuko Tora, Saki Kashima, and Natsu Samir defeat the Donna Del Mundo team of Julia, Micah, and Haimika. This is the first pinfall defeat that Julia has taken since her big debut back in October. Had some... Uh, fun on Twitter with one of our listeners out there wanting to talk about the big news from over the weekend. And I was like, yeah, I couldn't believe it when Saki pinned Julia either. Crazy. Oh, 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 you meant that other thing. The July 12th shows Hina defeats Rina. Jungle Kayona defeats Saya. Konami versus Mayu Iwatani versus Momo goes to a time limit draw. And then Oedo Tai, Natsuko Tora, Natsu Samir, and Saki Kashima defeat the Queen's Quest team of AZM, Saya, and Utami. Donna Del Mundo, the team of Haimika, Julia, and Micah defeat Riho, Starlight Kid, and Tam Nakano. And then we get the build. 
We get the build that we've all been waiting for. Julia says that she should just be presented the white belt. TM says that she had promised her former tag team partner, Arisa Hoshiki, that she was going to have a match for the white belt. So it looks like we're going to get Julia versus TM. Finally, this feud is going to happen. No, 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 no. Not quite so fast because then Natsuka Toro wants a piece and then Konami wants a piece. And so now we're going to have a tournament because Konami came up with the great idea that the fans want a tournament, even though the fans really just want to see Julia versus Tam. So we are going to get the setup for that. The quarterfinals of the tournament going down July 17th inside of Korakuen Hall, the way they have the bracket set up, Julia versus Konami and Natsuka Toro versus Tam Nakano. And then the finals will be going down later on in the month. I believe it's the 26th for the white belt finals which i have to assume is going to end up being julia versus tam nakano that's the matchup that everybody's waiting to see that's the feud they're building even this morning uh tuesday as we sit down to record this uh this morning in a photo shoot we got to see tam and julia get into it at the photo shoot those two girls just do not like one another we enjoy watching the feud so in addition to Julia versus Konami and Natsuka Tora versus Tam Nakano on July 17th inside of Korakuen Hall, we have Mayu Iwatani and Starlight Kid taking on Momo and AZM from Queen's Quest, Micah versus Saya versus Tall Saya, Hina versus Rina, Seki Kashima and Natsu Samir versus Utami and Riho, and then Shiri and Haimika versus Jungle Kayona and Death Yamasan. July 23rd in Osaka, it's going to be Mayu Iwatani and Tam Nakano taking on the team of Jungle Kayona and Konami. This leading up to the big Mayu Iwatani versus Jungle Kayona match that we'll talk about here in just a second. Artists of Stardom Trios titles on the line, Donna Del Mundo, Julia, Shiri, and Micah versus Queen's Quest, Natsuka Tora, Saki Kashima, and Natsu Samir. Haimika versus Tall Saya, AZM versus Death Yamasan, and Starlight Kid and Saya versus Momo and Utami from Queen's Quest. July 24th, that's when the red belt is going to be on the line. Mayu Iwatani versus Jungle Kayona, the first time that these two women have ever faced off in a singles match, and it will be in Jungle Kayona's hometown. A lot of people predicting a change for the red belt there. Also have Julia, Micah, Shiri, and Haimika taking on the Queen's Quest team of Momo, AZM, Utami, and Saya. Riho and Tam Nakano tag up against Natsuka Tora and Natsu Samir. Saya versus Konami. Seki Kashima versus Starlight Kid versus Death Yamasan in a triple threat match. July 26th in Korokin, the White Belt Finals, as well as the High Speed Championship on the line as Riho defends her championship that she has held for 339 days versus Starlight Kid and AZM. Also announced for that show, Micah versus Momo Watanabe. So that's it for this week's news segment. I'm going to try to keep it short. I may even do a special stardom episode here in just a couple of days uh, because there's a lot to talk about from these shows. But Rick and I went for over an hour just by ourselves. So I want to throw it over to the break, get a word from our friends over at the Brosters. And then this week's Midwest Music Mafia feature comes to us from Minneapolis, Minnesota, from their 2010 album, Sample of a Solution, Blue Felix, with their song Middle Finger Up. We'll be right back on the other side to talk some Bullet Club with RBV. Stick around. Bro, if you're a real coffee lover, then you've got to try Broaster's Limited Edition Vince Russo Bro Coffee. 
available right now at www.thebroasters.com. This limited edition coffee is fresh roasted weekly and shipped directly to your door. You will love the Nicaraguan blend with roasted chocolatey notes when you smell it. Get your Vince Russo Bro Coffee today at thebroasters.com and follow them at Coffee Broasters today on Twitter. Enjoy the best coffee today, bro. From Broasters, Vince Russo Brand, and Hami Media Group. Off 2010 sample of a solution that was Blue Felix with Middle Finger Up. Going with all evil music this week. Yeah, kind of got a theme going through this. So we're back for segment two. We're going to talk some New Japan Pro Wrestling. We got the New Japan Cup final to talk about. We got Dominion to talk about. Originally, it was supposed to be Big Ray Hernandez that was going to be with me, but Big Ray is going to be uh, laid up, and uh, so so he couldn't make the record session. So I reached out to my favorite Huckleberry, and I got to say, Rick, I'm glad I reached out to you because there would have been so much to explain to Big Ray because when it comes to the New Japan Cup, when it comes to Dominion, there was so much storyline stuff. It wasn't a typical New Japan just work rate show. There was a lot of storyline stuff done. Hey, well, first of all, Jargo, thank you for having me back here on this. You know, but hey, the celebration rolls on 2,000, 2 million plus downloads for the Hameen Media Group. And what better way to celebrate than the RBV, Richard Bronson Vickery, to come back to Destino. A New Japan podcast. Hey, 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 you're talking about Big Ray going under the knife, heading into surgery. I mean, you would have almost would have been as complicated as surgery trying to explain all this to Big Ray. Yeah. I if there was ever a storyline heavy show, Dominion was certainly it. Uh Rick, I th- I find it funny. About a year ago, we did a show on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling podcast um, that we titled The Curse of Osaka. And that was at Dominion last year. So let, let's run through the curse of Osaka for a, a 2020 update. Dominion moved to Osaka Joe Hall in 2015. Dominion actually started in 2009, but it moved to Osaka Joe in 2015. The IC title has been defended seven times at Dominion. It's changed hands five of those seven times. The heavyweight title has been defended at every Dominion, and it has changed the title four times since moving to Osaka in 2015. In 2015, AJ defeated Okada. In 2016, Okada over Naito. 2017 was the Okada and Omega draw. 2018, Omega defeats Okada. 2019, the champion finally retains the title when we get Okada over Chris Jericho. And then, of course, 2020 is evil. 
The curse of Osaka is once again a thing, Huckleberry. I couldn't believe the way that this thing all laid out. This is not what I thought we were going to get out of New Japan when we heard they were coming back a couple of weeks ago. I think everybody thought Dominion was going to be this happy, feel-good, welcome-back New Japan kind of show, and instead we got the freaking Empire Strikes Back. I say, you know, you regularly hear about in professional wrestling the champion's advantage. When you get to Osaka, completely toss that out to, out the window. Uh, if you come in representing that gold, you are a complete underdog inside of these situations. Uh, but Jagger, you're right. You know, as we're looking at not necessarily a, a reset, but that restart for New Japan and and all the the warm fuzzy feelings that we had going back, you know, really to Wrestle Kingdom and this was going to be such a tremendous year. Lij on top. They ain't though. This is you know it finally climbed that mountain. What kind of direction? What new heights? Can New Japan soar under his guidance? And none of that was to be. Uh, and it, and you know, immediately following that, my feelings, you know, and I reached out to you. I was very indifferent. It was just like an emptiness, like like I was lost. <laughs> like I, you know, you're just you're you're in the middle of the woods. You have no sense of direction. Uh, there, there's a fog setting in. You can't see any, you know, in any direction around you. And when I put that out there on social media, you know, so many people are like, well, I mean, that, that's what's good about it. You, you should be excited for that. And, then, you know, it, in saying that feeling where I felt indifferent and I felt empty, it doesn't mean I'm giving up on the product. Uh, I might be very sour on a few talents here. Uh, but, yeah, there is that greater intrigue. And now that I've had time to kind of let that sink in as we talk through this thing, and I'm sure, you know, I'll, I'll grow a grander scope of what's happening here conversating with you, but – there is some intrigue going forward here. What possible twists and turns can we run into? Yeah. So I I've had several people reach out to me, whether it be via Twitter, whether it be via Facebook. Um, I've actually had a couple of guys from the PW hustle inside of a, a text group. And it's been very entertaining because everybody just keeps coming to me and they're like, what the fuck just happened? I mean, like that that's the general conversation that's going on in the New Japan circles right now. What in the hell just happened? So we're gonna we're gonna try to talk some people off a ledge this week and uh, see see what we can do. We'll kind of run through the New Japan Cup final because it was really a one match show, and that being the actual final match of the New Japan Cup. Great Bash heel defeat the the Young Lion team of Uamura and Yota Suji in nine minutes and fifteen seconds. Tenkozi over Gabriel Kidd and Hiroki Goto in nine minutes and fifty seven seconds. Master Wado gets his first singles match, defeating Doki in seven minutes and forty six seconds. And then we see Kanemaru come out and attack Master Wado. Uh, this is the strangest return from excursion that I think I've ever seen. Most of the time, you know, they return from excursion and they get put over strong, like, you know, a switchblade Jay White. But no, we have Master Watto feuding with, like, the lowest guys on the roster. And, Rick, it finally occurred to me what's going on here. Master Watto is John Cena. Master Wado is there for the kids. New Japan Pro Wrestling just went back into prime time for the first time in 30 years in Japan. Master Wado is there for the children demographic and the kids love Master Wado. I just, I, I don't get it. I like me some Master Wado. Come on, it's even the name is fun to say. Master Wado, 
I mean, it's, but yeah, you're exactly right. You know, this is, this is, he's got a demographic that he's going to target there. And so what you do is there, you're going to, you put him in that underdog situation and let him fight up, right? It, it just that rallying cry for the kids, get them excited on that undercard as you start building towards, you know, that you're, you're, uh, you know, that, that mid division and that main event division. He's going to be Taguchi in like five years. Like it, when Taguchi retires, Master Wado. I, I was going to say, should uh, uh, Shigeto be on the lookout for, <laughs> for I Master Wado? Fucking Master Wado. And then he gets saved by Tenzan, of all people. Like Tenzan has to run to the ring on those awful knees to go save Master Wado from Kanemaru. I just. All right, I guess we're doing this. Yujiro Takahashi and Taiji Ishimori defeat the team of Bushi and Sonata. Yujiro, one of the guys who's getting a bit of a push here. We're going to talk about him a bit more here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, El, El Desperado, Kanemaru, Zack Sabre Jr., and Taichi defeat the team of Taguchi, Nagata, Ibushi, and Tanahashi in 12 minutes and 43 seconds. Naito, Hiromu, and Shingo defeat Sho, Yano, and Ishii in 15 minutes. And then we finally get to the final evil versus kazuchika okada 31 minutes and 50 seconds with all kinds of shenanigans rick i guess number one what did you think of the match before the interference started uh yeah i was i, I was really i was i was enjoying this thing uh it greatly exceeded my expectations of what I really expected here. Uh, but I think, you know, going in, even with, you know, finding evil here in these finals, you're, you're waiting for those different swerves that there is some kind of, you know, these, there's a grander picture at play here. Uh, so you, you almost get taken out of the moment of the match itself in anticipation of that big surprise maneuver that they're going to pull here. But, but again, you know, inside the match itself, we're talking about freaking Okada. I mean, any style, anywhere, any opponent, he's not going to disappoint. And he put evil over strong. I mean, 31 minutes and 50 seconds, and evil was on top of this match for about 80% of it. It was like Okada just couldn't get out of the blocks. And then when he finally did, he was so damn obsessed with that stupid Cobra clutch that looks freaking awful. That he, he like I, I felt like he could have beat evil like four times, but no, he wanted to end it with a ref stoppage or a submission. Like he's obsessed with this stupid cobra clutch. Well, I think obviously, you know, you let evil dominate there as you're changing the guard, you're passing on. I mean, what what better opponent to go in there and cement yourself immediately, you know, as you know, Jogger said, out of the blocks here than to go over Okada. And then to show that you are so dominant early in this thing that you perhaps that you are even able to shake the great mind of the great, arguably the greatest champion in the history of the promotion in Okada. I mean, that makes a major statement immediately. And especially that is that is much needed for a competitor like evil who seemingly comes out of nowhere here to claim this champion or claim these championships. Or claim the this cup. I'm sorry, I'm a little getting ahead of myself. So much happened over the course of the weekend. It's just freaking insane, man. I can see where you would get I, stuff it all mixed up. Blurring. It all starts blurring Absolutely. together. So Gato comes out. Of course, we know Gato used to be Okada's pariah. And uh Okada, of course, gets distracted by Gato. 
which then leads to Yujiro Takahashi. Yujiro, the Tokyo pimp, comes out and takes out Okada. The whole time, Evil is basically unconscious, so we're not really sure what in the world is going on as of yet. Evil then gets up, hits the darkness falls into the pile of chairs, and down goes Okada. Now, Rick, what's ironic about this is if you remember back to when AJ Styles beat Okada six years ago, guess what happened in that match? Yujiro Takahashi interferes and takes out Okada. And so now we have this story of Yujiro is saying, you know, Okada, I can't come up to your level, but I can sure as hell pull you down to mine. Are you ready to take me seriously yet? And so now we have the Rainmaker, the greatest IWGP World Heavyweight Champion in history, arguably, in a feud with Yujiro Takahashi that's six years old. Like, this this feels like the in-case-of-emergency break-glass storyline for Gato, right? Like, we need something for Okada to do for a couple of months. All right, we're doing it. We're going back to the Yujiro thing. Well, I think when you tie everything in here, I mean, it. there's been that constant build-in where there are so many outs and so many diff, uh, you know, I don't want to say lower paths, you know, but lesser programs that they can go with Okada that they've had those underlining storylines built into there. And right now with so much uncertainty about the travel and the schedule and maybe any you know, re, re, you know, surgeons of, of going on with COVID here, you know, they're trying to protect themselves. So they've got this, this safety net here to go with Okada, you know, as they look forward to, because even refresh my memory here, you know, we've still got the delay in the G1, correct? They haven't rescheduled because, you know, we're still like, to the, we're two months out from the G1 right now. Okay. So, because everything that was already, you know, kind of, shift it because of the Olympics and all that. Right. So right now, and then you don't know when you're going to have all hands on deck returning because of the travel restrictions. You want to continue to establish this change in direction in your main event scene. So while you're doing that, you don't want to continue to have Okada overshadowing it. So now you're redirecting and there's plenty there to keep him occupied while he's picking up you know, these, these side hands on his way back into that scene. And in the meantime, while we've set up this entire feud between Yujiro Takahashi and Kazuchika Okada, Evil has just won the New Japan Cup. To our knowledge, without him knowing that Bullet Club is what really put down the Rainmaker. So, Evil calls out the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, the IWGP Intercontinental Champion, the man who leads his faction, Los Ingobernobles de Japón, Tetsuya Naito. Naito comes walking out in typical Naito fashion, like he doesn't really give a fuck. Gets in the ring, cuts a promo, congratulates Evil on winning the New Japan Cup. He says, hell, I even predicted that you were going to win the New Japan Cup. At least we know that Los Ingobernables is still on top. And he salutes Evil, gives him the LIJ fist bump. And Evil looks like he's going for the fist bump, and then it turns into a two-sweet, and things then go very, very wrong for Tetsuya Naito as the beatdown is on, and Evil has joined the Bullet Club. 
Rick, I, I thought by the end of this tournament, there was no logical way that both Evil and Sonata could exist inside of Los Ingobernables anymore. Like, there, it, it just, after what Evil did to Sonata earlier in the tournament, that partnership was clearly over. What do you think of them making the decision that Evil is the one that leaves LIJ and he has now joined the Bullet Club? And this is where it gets very intriguing to me. And is, you know, as you're running through the undercard here, there were a few things I thought on this show, and it, one of them, you know, strongly relates to what we had happen here in the finals, is once again, Sonata has found himself on a losing streak. The, the one-time predicted potential ace of this company, you know, and time and time again, just falling short of those expectations, those grand expectations that so many have for him. I, I know over in the hustle, you know, where, you know, they're, you know, a lot more involved in what's happening inside of New Japan than, you know, many of us over in the Hami Media Group. You know, that was one of the initial things inside of the New Japan Cup when you've seen, I think it was track, right? Uh, Brown, where right when Sonata loses, at that point, he was like, okay, I mean, it. it's almost like, just go away now. Yeah. There is no more room at the end for you here, Sonata. What is his purpose anymore? And when inside of that, just not in New Japan, you start to question, okay, now what is the role inside of LIJ? Especially if Evil could go on and, and pull this thing off. And it helped it go on and with the you know the silver war that you know thinking then of what this thing could trigger what role does sonata play as we're talking about that intrigue going forward not knowing the direction and that's the excitement i think sonata is a key element in all that oh at least he is for me we'll talk about sonata some more later um and and you might have to talk me off a ledge because i even have in my notes for this show it's time to shovel dirt on sonata but we'll get to that yeah. And I think I think that's the beauty of it. So a little teaser to stick with us. All right. So let's talk about Dominion. Saturday, July 12th is when it went down. Um, again, we'll kind of run through the undercard, and then we'll talk about some of the more important matches here. Yuji Nagata, Taguchi, and Kojima defeat Gabriel Kidd, Honma, and Makabe in nine minutes and 25 seconds. And I guess the interesting thing here is Gabriel Kidd, the young lion, because the young lion is is kind of declaring war on the grandpas. Number one, he declared war on Minoru Suzuki, which is just a, a terrible, terrible idea. But now he's also declaring war on Justice Grandpa, Yuji Nagata. And I don't think he wants any part of Nagata either. But I will say this, man, even the young lions are getting a push right now. They're getting put into storylines just because, you know, we're missing like 20 guys off of the roster. Yeah, this is very reminiscent of what's happening here at home in the States. You know, I, these these young lions, these millennial, these so, social justice wrestlers, you know, they need to be put in their place. They, they need to fall in line. They got to show a little respect. And at some point, uh, you know, the hell with Bullet Club, Grandpa Club, old man strength, you know, just needs to give them that hand. Yeah, and it's going to happen, too, and I'm looking forward to it. Hiromu Bushi oh, it and Sonata. It is going to be a glorious moment. 
Hiromu Bushi and Sonata defeat some more young lions and Yotasuji, Yano, and Ishii. I'm so happy that this Hiromu and Toru Yano thing is not going to happen. Seth Kennedy was wrong. We're not going to get a hair versus hair match. Hopefully, this is the last time we see these two guys in the ring until, like, I don't know, G1. El Desperado, Kanemaru, and Doki defeat Uemura, Master Wado, and Tenzan because Master Wado is still a thing. Yujiro and Ishimori defeat Goto and Okada. Okada has fallen so far down the card that now he has to tag with Hiroki Goto. It's just, that it, it makes me sad. Now let's get to the good stuff. Shingo defeats Sho in 20 minutes and 7 seconds in his second defense of the Never Open Weight Championship. And Rick, I think this might have been my favorite match on the show. These two guys just have incredible chemistry. And then after the match, after Shingo retains a 20-minute freaking war with Sho... Then he gets attacked by El Desperado. So once again, we're seeing a junior heavyweight challenge for the Never Open Weight Championship. But I feel like Shingo is the perfect guy to represent this Never Open Weight title. He's so strong. He's so powerful. But man, when he gets going, he moves like a junior heavyweight. He's the perfect hybrid, which is what the Never Open Weight title is supposed to be. But man, Show has just gotten a rocket push. And now with Yo out with an ACL... It's time for the show Tanaka singles push, and I'm looking forward to that too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as you're talking about Shingo, and you need that hybrid, so we can go back and forth, and and it's really the, just that diversified champion that's going to represent what this division was meant to stand for. I do and love the, the inclusion or more of with the juniors, because although it isn't particularly my style. I do believe it should, you know, it should have more of a, uh, a better, you know, grounding and, and spotlight on it with inside of New Japan Pro Wrestling, where a lot of times, you know, it can be forgotten about until we get to the juniors tournament. Uh, so in this in this sense here, now you're you're crossing those lines. You've got things going on in the division. You've got the exciting, you know, always the the tag action on the other card, and now you're, you know, you're crossing that line and you're you're expanding what those talents can do inside of the, the open weight division. Well, now that we've seen show challenge for the never title, we're seeing Despi challenge for the never title. Hiromu obviously is going to be facing off for the world heavyweight championship. I feel like the line between junior heavyweight and heavyweight is getting awful, awful small. And I know that this is just out of necessity. There, there's not a whole lot that they can do about it with the way their roster is right now. But I, well, I feel like those lines back, are really getting blurred right now. Going back to you know when I joined you on the first episode here of Destino, a New Japan podcast, you know that was one of the big talking points that we went round and round about was of how they were going to fill the New Japan Cup. And all the interesting new matchups and the possibilities because they had to include so many juniors just to fill out this bracket. And actually, I hope this is one of those things that is really a blessing in disguise with everything that's happening around the COVID is that that they are going to see that maybe this does work and they do need to kind of broaden those horizons when it comes to the open weight division and, and go back and forth and not really just make it where it just seems more of a, a lesser heavyweight undercard championship. Yeah, very much so. Very much agreed. All right, let's talk about the uh, IWGP heavyweight tag team championships. 
I, I didn't mention them when it comes to the Curse of Osaka, but I might as well have. This is the sixth time that the IWGP tag team titles have changed hand at Dominion in 11 defenses. The dangerous techers, Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr. claim them over the Golden Aces, Tanahashi and Ibushi in 28 minutes and 43 seconds to become the 87th tag team championships. Let me guess, your knees hurt even just talking about say, this match. Just, just kind of going back and just visualizing, revisiting what happened in this thing. I, they brutalized Ugh. the ace in this match is what happened. They just brutalized Hiroshi Tanahashi. I mean, if you want to talk about the Empire Strikes Back, it was this match, 28-43 of the Dangerous Techers just beating the shit out of Kota Ibushi and Hiroshi Tanahashi. It was great, but man, it was brutal. Ibushi eats the iron fist. Tanahashi gets his knees just dragon screwed and then inverted dragon screwed both knees over and over and over you talk about we're expecting happy restart happy beginnings looking forward to what you know and you look at what the ace what he did for new japan and and helping you know the healing process and and you know just standing is that flag bearer for the company and so proud for the people there and we were expecting big things you know each you know we had him we and you know we had him going to the finals of the New Japan Cup, uh, and then the the shock, the upset heard round the wrestling world first round eliminated, and then to see this on a bounce back, yeah, uh, completely blown away. And Ibushi didn't fare a whole lot better, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, they got taken out, and then in the post match, Tanahashi says, "We want a rematch. We deserve a rematch." And it's just like, damn, dude, no. Like, they're just going to do that to you again. And I know they're going to tell this, like, great heartwarming story. But, man, I'm not sure Tanahashi could walk yesterday. Uh, That's And that's going to be the intrigue here. And I wonder if that is kind of that direction that, you know, you tell something where, you know, management, medical steps in, and they're just like, no. (laughs) Right? We're not allowing this. But the, the the problem is, who else do you have challenged for these titles? You know, that, that, that becomes the problem. So, yeah, you can drag this out for another couple of months and, you know, tell the, well, I, the story right of, now, the, of the hero climbing back up the mountain. I think right now, though, is as you're looking for challengers, just expect the unexpected. Yeah, is right. What, is what we're going to get from New Japan right now. Yeah, absolutely. Also, congrats to Zack Sabre Jr., his first IWGP championship. He's he's had the Rev Pro title walking around over in New Japan, but this is his first actual New Japan title. So congrats oh, to ZSJ. All right, let's talk about the elephant in everybody's room. Evil defeats Tetsuya Naito in 38 minutes and one second to become the 71st IWGP World Heavyweight Champion and the 25th Intercontinental Champion. Evil dominates this match, and much like Kazuchika Okada, Naito never really gets out of the blocks, and that was kind of the story of Evil throughout this whole tournament, just becoming more ruthless, becoming more, well, evil. Yeah, I mean, you could really just see the transformation in it. When you go back, and it's one of those things that's unfolding and in the moment you might not appreciate it because you don't have much stock 
that you know he's going to even get to this point and then go ahead and pull this thing off and capture both of these championships. Uh, but you go back and you kind of watch those moments, and it was a tremendous build. And that that character development and to see how he evolves throughout this thing, and as you say, it just kind of takes that evil to a whole new level. I mean, a complete evolution of evil, if you will, to get through this thing. And, and even to see him win the cup, you're like, okay. They told some interesting stories here. There's going to be some, you know, developments going, you know, what's going to happen with inside LIJ. And then, boom, he makes the switch. There's intrigue there. Okay, this is just going to trigger a, a faction war between these two, but there's no real way they're going to they're gonna do this, right? This is Naoto's time. This is this is what we've been building for, what we had put on hold since, you know, for months now, really since that crowning moment at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, and this is what just kind of left me, like I said, not disappointed, but just stunned. I guess stunned is the best word to use with it. This is one of those matches. I don't know how to rate it. You know what I mean? Like when, when you look at like the Meltzer star system, like this is like maybe, you know, a three, three and a half star match. But like when you actually like look at the storytelling that was involved in this match, when you look at the story that was told inside of this match, I mean, hell, even Milano, the commentary guy for New Japan Pro Wrestling got involved in this match because he was a huge evil fan. Evil gives him the freaking railing. I mean, like th- there was just some great storytelling that was done inside of this. And this is where this is where you and I greatly differ. I mean, you're you're all into the weasel dually rating system and all of this. I could throw it out the window. I, to me, in professional wrestling, I, I don't care about spots and move sets. It is about personas and moments. So sometimes inside of that, this was a moment that's going to trigger a bigger reaction. This is a starting point. Although it, it seems, you know, this we got through the tournament final. This is the payoff here. Or this Seemingly, this was, you know, the reward for the tournament. But this is a starting point to the bigger picture moving forward. That's where the interest lies in the intrigue of what direction, what's going to happen with all these individuals. But the biggest one that, that inside of this match, it's not so much okay that they shotgun evil into this position. I think he's more just of a bit player and a transition part of what we're going to get here. Uh, but with Naito, this is where that emptiness inside of me comes from. I mean, he is someone with inside of New Japan that I was invested in. You know, even before this run to last, you know, to the previous Wrestle Kingdom, and, and to see that moment for him to grab both of those championships to have his moment, fulfill his destiny. I, you know, he was just somebody you got into that 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 comp, you know, that Joe Cool. Um, so ma- uh, masterful in the ring, relatable, enjoyed all of his matches. But it, that that last ride was so emotional. You get to that pinnacle of it, and the bottom just drops out here. And I feel for him, but I, as we're talking about going forward, I don't know what there is for him. How many times do you go back to the well telling that same story with him? Well, here here's the thing, all right? T- number one. Couple of stats. Tetsuya Naito now four and six at Dominion in his career. He is 0-2 defending the heavyweight championship. This is the third time he's lost the Intercontinental Championship at Dominion. Um as for I understand why people are upset about Naito losing the championship, but if I'm trying to talk you off of the ledge here, 
I think this is good for Naito. Wrestle Kingdom was the pinnacle. You said it yourself. That was the top of the mountain. He had vanquished all of the demons. He had achieved his goal. Going back to Wrestle Kingdom 8, everything culminated at Wrestle Kingdom 14. He finally wins the championship in the main event, in the Tokyo Dome. And he wins the Intercontinental Championship too. So all of the demons have been put to rest for Tetsuya Naito. Now what? Now we know what the now what is. There is a new fire to fuel Tetsuya Naito to once again pursue the championships. But more importantly, he now has to take out Evil and he has to take out Bullet Club. Now, see, I, all right, to me, all right, let, let's we'll go to a very basic here. And inside, and what I've been able to gather from you know the few years here that, I, that I've been intensely following New Japan and, and just that culture, the Japanese culture, and what you've taught me with it there. You know, there is a a great passion inside of that culture. They love that rebuilding story. It represents who they were. The complete devastation, losing everything. You know, such a proud people at one point. And, and they have everything taken from them. And then they rebuilt that to, you know, the greatness that they are. And, you know, how the world looks at them for technical advancements and all of that stuff. That is something that they tell inside of their culture. And it works inside of professional wrestling. It's one of the oldest things, you know, you, you build up that fire under that baby to reach that pinnacle. But I, but I don't think the story is dead. I think it needs to pivot. You need to go to someone else with it. That's where I'm more interested in Sonata, where I feel that you have all the ship has sailed to continue retelling that story with Naito. I'm going to compare this thing. We usually we look for things that are relatable inside of Western wrestling with Naito as you, you Perfectly described there, Jargo. Everything that happened at Wrestle Kingdom. And then you have one more fall, and now we're looking towards another build. It reminds me of Daniel Bryan. That ultimate moment at WrestleMania 30, the yes movement. I One of the most magical things inside of professional wrestling for, for my lifetime was you know that moment for Daniel Bryan. Unfortunately, that is taken away from him because of injury. But then you and you have that real life climb back up the mount for him to get back, but it's never been the same. He's never had that same that same magic from that moment at WrestleMania 30. And I feel that Naito now is in that same boat. I also think that this has to be about Bullet Club. This can't be just about evil. Because even going back to the Tokyo Dome, after Naito climbs to the top of the mountain and he's standing at the mountain and he and he's getting ready to yell off the top of the mountain that he finally did it. Bullet Club robbed him of that moment when Kenta attacked him. Now we have evil defecting to Bullet Club and taking the titles away. Like, I feel like there's a, a much larger story that's being built here about Bullet Club versus either just Tetsuya Naito or really all of L.I.J., well, I think what's going to be interesting here is you've got all of these working parts moving inside of these potential storylines. You know, as I put out here, who is going to get the the redemption story? Is it Naito or is it Sonata? Or is it Sonata's turn, the underdog, to climb up here? I mean, that's something that's going to be a struggle within LIJ. Uh, now you've just had someone defect that was kind of a soldier in the ranks. He was the first guy that was ever recruited to LIJ. Well, I mean, how does that make the rest of the faction feel? I mean, is there now is everyone looking over their shoulders? What else is happening here? We've seemingly have lost everything. 
is just going to crumble beneath us. Daniel, on the Bullet Club side of this thing, and for their internal struggle, you've got all these guys sitting in other countries. Yep. You haven't really had a, a surefire leader in how long? A bullet cloud. And that, that faction has really fallen off and been lost since the departure of the elite. So how now when you have somebody, we all kind of look to Jay White as that figure, although, you know, it really, he didn't have that. It didn't really stand out as we know, like an AJ or a David or an Omega or whoever it might've been. You know, now are we supposed to look at evil that way? Because now he's holding all of this gold. Uh, will those that were involved in helping him achieve that, will they look to him as that leader, as that leader where maybe the Tongans and, and Jay and Kenta don't? I mean, you're going to have all that going on, and then you're going to have them at odds with one another. Yeah, and I, I listened to Thomas' podcast that dropped today. We're recording this on Tuesday. Um, it dropped early this morning with uh, Tama Tonga and uh, our, our old friend Ross Berman is uh, co-hosting that show. And Tama was kind of talking about it, and he's like, you know, he was real happy about this. Like, he's very happy about everything that has transpired over the course of this past weekend. But, you know, he, he hasn't really seen uh, anybody else on, you know, Bullet Club America, if you want to call it that. He hasn't really seen anybody else talking about it. Like, you know, Switchblade was all happy and, like, welcomed, you know, evil into the Bullet Club. But he, he didn't congratulate him or anything after he won the championship. Like, what what Switchblade think of all this? You know, and he really puts over that, you know, like right now we're seeing something that we had never seen before. For the first time in seven years, we have an all Japanese Bullet Club. Every member in the Bullet Club that's over there right now, they're all Japanese. It started as a Gaijin stable. As all hands on deck. I mean, because you still got those other working parts, but well, I guess oh, there's other parts, but they're not necessarily working right now. Right. So, I, but it, there are so many different directions that you could spin this thing. And then you have somebody like Kenta. Where does Kenta fall in this? Because Kenta's Japanese, but you know, he's with the American Bullet Club and you know, he was kind of an outsider coming in at the time. And so is he really, you know, with New Japan? And there, there's all kinds of different stories and different ways you can spin this, especially when you're talking about, you know, a machine gun and a big LG and a potential return there. I mean, my issue, like I didn't like evil joining the Bullet Club. To me, it just felt wrong because I feel like it, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, I feel like evil and bad luck Fale are going to fill kind of the same role inside of the Bullet Club. They're both the muscle, right? That that was what I had seen evil's role as. This is when he had just joined Bullet Club before he had won the titles. And I felt like Suzuki Goon would have been a much better fit because they've never replaced Lazuka. They still have like that, that that big muscle heater. That role hasn't been filled inside of Suzuki Goon since Lazuka left. So I thought if he was going to defect, he'd end up going to Suzuki Goon. The other problem is Tamatonga and Evil were in the same Young Lions class. So they're at the same point in their career. And now you're putting Evil into that position where I feel like Tamatonga should be being the one elevated. And those are going to be, you know, some internal questions inside of the faction. And, and maybe, you know, it, it doesn't come to the surface with us, but we're going to see that 
you know, they might not verbally put that out there. We're going to see that in their body language. Yeah. We're going to see that in their motion and how they work together when they come back. Is it going to be one of those open arm but awkward moments? Right. And, and I think that's where your intrigue lies because you, like I said, you know, between these two major factions, not how do they coexist against each other, but just by themselves. Uh, now, am I wrong on this one? Isn't Evil still a champion? What's MLIJ? Yeah, he's still um, uh, holding one of the never open weight six man titles. And at the press conference, he was asked about that. And he said, that belt is absolutely worthless. Why would I want to even like have anything to do with that? So I don't know what's going on with the never open weight titles. Neither does Shingo, evidently, because Shingo's been tweeting about that. Because, you know, Shingo cares about his gold and being Shingo two belts. Um, let's talk about Jado and Ishimori. You were talking about, you know, moments. And one of my favorite moments in all of wrestling history has to be Jado coming walking out with the freaking stick and his so what don't care t-shirt walking slower than slow and Ishimori goes running past him. That was like one of my favorite moments in all of wrestling history, dude. I laughed so fucking hard watching Ishimori run to the ring to interfere in this match. But then Hiromu comes out. And Hiromu takes out Jado and Ishimori. So I, I expect that at some point we'll see an Ishimori versus Hiromu Junior Heavyweight Championship match. But that was not the last that we would see of Hiromu. After Evil takes the titles, Hiromu is the one that comes out to comfort Tetsuya Naito and make sure that Naito's all right and they don't just absolutely destroy him. No sign of Bushi. No sign of Sonata. I can actually, I, I can un explain why Shingo wasn't there because Shingo had just had that match with Sho and had the shit kicked out of him by Desperado. It makes sense why Shingo wouldn't be there. It makes more sense not to have him fresh legs running out there trying to get involved in this thing. But where the fuck was Sonata in Bushi? Is there a riff inside of LIJ now? And that's what I'm saying. You know, it's, there's so many questions just with inside of each bubble. And we, we've been saying for, you know, the longest time and more so we thought about Bullet Club, about them just being, you know, so self-destructive and having an implosion with inside that group. Now that's completely that focus has shifted to LIJ here. I mean, they are in dismay here. Well, but this is this is a pattern that we see, too. Because typically, like, whoever wins the heavyweight championship, gold tends to kind of flock to that faction. And they all get built up and they get put on the top of the mountain and they're dominant for a while. And then they have to lose the titles and everything falls apart. And it's just like this natural circle of life. And we're just at the, the completion of the circle for LIJ. And now it's time to reinvent itself, right? It, with them becoming you know, global as well, uh, I mean, I wonder if there's other working parts that could play into this thing. And could, could we eventually see somebody come back? I mean, could you imagine a, uh, when it's allowed? I mean, one of those big payoff surprises to see a Roosh show up. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I'd lose my freaking mind to see Roosh in a New Japan ring. I'd love to see that. Absolutely. Uh, let, let, let's talk about another guy who joined Bullet Club, not named Evil. His name is Dick Togo. How about Dick Togo? That's another fun name. I love it, right? Dick Togo. Great. Um, our friends over at LastWordOnProWrestling.com put together a great write-up on Dick2Go. Uh, debut in 1991, 
First major appearance in New Japan since 2011. He's worked a lot in CMLL, FMW. He debuted in New Japan in 1994. He was an original member of Kayentai. Yeah, that Kayentai. 1997 is when he he met uh, Gato and Jado at ECW. And then he spent some time in the WWF. And sure enough, choppy, choppy, your PP. You bet. Dick to go. He was there. Yeah, that happened. DDT, All Japan, retired in 2012, returned to the ring in 2016. Evolve 74, he actually faced off with Chris Hero. I got to go and find that match. And he's going to be 51 next month. But from everything I hear, he can still go. You know, like, you know, so now we have Bullet Grandpa. And uh, we're going to see Dick to go. Yeah. How about that? Choppy, choppy, your PP in a new Japan ring. I really wish I would have went with that name for my, my commentary stage name. Oh my God. Dick to go. Dick to go. So now we're seeing all this outrage. People are pissed. um, Mostly because of Sonata, but we'll talk about him in a second. Um, Rick, this is a list of the talent that is missing right now. From the New Japan roster, Switchblade Jay White, Kenta, G.O.D., El Phantasmo. We, we, we barely talk about Bad Luck Fale. He's not around. Chase Owens. He's not around. Osprey, Robbie Eagles, Mikey Nichols, Juice Robinson, David Finley, Jericho, Dragon Lee, Toa Hanare. We've got the L.A. Dojo contingent of Jeff Cobb. TJ Perkins, Rocky Romero, Carl Fredericks, recently graduated young lion. So what do we do? We got 20 talents. That's like a third of the card that is missing right now. We have to elevate new stars. And when I look at the new Japan cup and I look at what they've done with evil and what they've done with bullet club, I've got to say they've elevated Master Wado in his debut. They elevated Tenzan by making me actually give a shit about him because he's out there with Master Wado. We've elevated Yujiro Takahashi to the point that he has a feud with Kazuchika Okada. We have Sho, whose stock has went through the roof with Yo getting hurt. El Desperado is getting a never open weight championship match. Tai Chi and Zack Saber Jr. just won the IWGP heavyweight tag team titles from Kota Ibushi and Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Evil is now a double champion. I they had to elevate stars with all those guys missing. I think they've done a hell of a freaking job. Yeah, my my initial reaction there is, you know, I no longer want to hear it from WWE about how difficult it is right now. In two weeks, they made like it, it six just- guys. We've just seen New Japan do this. I mean, it, it, all the the intriguing storylines, the incredible in-ring action. They, they they a different direction, but they haven't missed a beat from what you've come to expect from them as a professional wrestling company. But play a little devil's advocate here. It's all fine and dandy for the time being, but those twenty-something names you listed off there, Jargo, eventually they're going to need the return. Yeah. Have you created yourself a little bit of an issue? I guess it's a good problem to have going down the road, but it's going to be a major obstacle to get by once it is there. And the more I look at this, I've thought about that. And I think what New Japan Pro Wrestling has told us over the course of the last two weeks is don't expect the Gaijin talent to be back anytime soon. 
I did see that, and we talked a little bit about it in uh, segment one, Japan is lifting some travel restrictions today to where residents of Japan that are not in the country can get back into the country. So we're talking about like guys like Osprey should be able to get back into the country. Uh, Kenta, I'm not sure about if he what his citizenship status is. I think Fale can also get back into the country. Um, also good news for stardom with Jamie Hayter and Bea Priestley. Uh, hopefully they can get back into the country. So I, that'll help a little bit, but we're, we're still without basically Bullet Club. Well, at that point, I mean, as you said, we've reinvented this thing now. For the first time ever, you have got an all-Japanese lineup, an active lineup inside a bullet club. Is it, I mean, traditionally, it's its origins. It was a gaijin. Could you see, okay, at this point now, as you're talking about, they know something that we obviously do not know. They they are seeing something down the line here. I mean, could this be, okay, we, we've got to reestablish everything to get us through you know, at least 2020 and maybe hopefully then think about that boom when the others can return to Wrestle Kingdom. Or could this be a direction for just the company just flat out going forward to get back to the true the Japanese roots? Because we know how much that fan base, I mean, they welcome the outsiders. You know, they are the special attractions. They love the oohs and the ahs. But when you get down to the brass tacks of the damn thing, they want it about their people. They're homegrown. And it's funny that you bring that up because that's a perfect segue. Look at the guys that they elevated. Master Wado, Yujiro, Sho, Desperado, Taishi, Evil. They all came through the dojo. The guys who did not come through the dojo didn't fare so well when it comes to the New Japan Cup Tour as well as Dominion. Which brings us to Sonata. Is it time to shovel dirt on Sonata? Because, Rick, at this point, I mean, everybody has pushed for Sonata, but I think with Sonata not being a New Japan Dojo guy, with him being trained by Muda and kind of carving his own path on his own way to get to New Japan Pro Wrestling, I feel like they have firmly placed the ceiling on Sonata. And see, to me, that's where the intrigue and the potential beauty lies in this being his moment. As I said, they love that storyline there. And it's a tremendous story. I mean, I guess just not in Japanese side, it works across the board is, you know, that that riches to rags, rags to riches, you know, having it all, losing it and overcoming and climbing back up that mountain. You can have that with Sonata, that individual who's always seemingly had that potential, but has never really, no pun intended there, truly hit that mark that they were intended for. I think you could do Sonata as you play into what you just mentioned there. He is kind of that outcast, the man that walks alone, you know, who time after time we thought, when is it going to be his opportunity? Have him make this run now. You know, maybe he, to me, I was thinking inside LIJ that you almost need Nairo to go away for a little bit. And we still got the rumors, you know, and I guess that you had plenty of time during the COVID for him to rest up with those nagging injuries. Maybe give him a little bit more time as you're developing some of these other stars. Uh, obviously, you don't want to lose too much star power, especially at this time here. But maybe it is time for Sonata to go, which would be is such outside the norm in New Japan, is to go at it alone here. Uh, to make an incredible run through the G1, maybe win that thing and then have that moment 
against evil down the line. Uh, I think that inside of itself would be an incredible story. I mean, to me, the thing is, Hiromu. Like, above all the guys that we're mentioning, with maybe the exception of evil, Hiromu has been elevated like there's no tomorrow throughout the New Japan Cup. The junior heavyweight champion is going to now challenge evil for both the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship and the Intercontinental Championship. We talk about Sonata's time. Was this not it? I mean, Sonata gets betrayed by evil when evil beats him in a dirty match inside of the new Japan cup, evil turns on the faction, takes out Tetsuya Naito. evil wins both belts. Evil then attacks Naito afterwards. It's only logical that one of the guys from LIJ would come running out to make the save, but instead of Sonata, it's Hiromu Takahashi. Was this not Sonata's time? I mean, like, everything is lined up. His former tag team partner, the whole betraying the faction, taking him out dirty in the cup. Like, this feels like it should have been Sonata's time, but he's not a New Japan Dojo guy, and Hiromu is. I don't think you necessarily need him to to rise to the occasion so quickly. I think that's where the more intrigue, let that fire kind of brew under him. You know, and then let him, okay, what is this internal struggle inside of him? Does he, you know, he's trying, he needs to figure out who the hell he is right now. I think you can hold off on that storyline. We're talking about putting that spotlight, you know, more on some juniors here. I think that's this, that's what's right for the right now is to put that spotlight, the champion versus champion. So here's how it's going to go down. Monday, July 20th, New Japan Road. Here is the card. Ten Cozy versus Uamura and Yota Suji. Gabriel Kidd, Taguchi, Honma, and Makabe versus Sho, Yoshihashi, Yano, and Ishii. Yes, Yoshihashi, magically that knee is fine. It seems very, very odd to me. Sonata and Shingo tagging up to take on Doki and El Desperado. Goto and Okada take on the team of Gato and Yujiro. Master Wado, Nagata, Ibushi, and Tanahashi take on Kanemaru, Suzuki, Zack Sabre Jr., and Tai Chi. And then we have Bushi, Naito, Hiromu taking on Ishimori, Dick Togo, and Evil in your main event. Saturday, the 25th, is Sengoku Lord in Nagoya. Uamura versus Ishimori in a singles match. That if, if like travel restrictions were open, this kind of reads to me like this could be a Uamura send-off. For the Young Lions. I really like that kid. I think he's got a great look. He, he could be like a future Okada. Like come back from excursion in a couple years when Okada's like, you know, 36 and he's the young new thing on the line. I like him a lot. Taguchi, Kojima, Honma, and Makabe take on Gabriel Kidd, Yota Suji, Yano, and Ishii. Sho, Yoshihashi, and Goto versus Bushi, Sonata, and Naito. So yeah, Naito's back in six-man tag. Wado, Tenzan, Nagata, Ibushi, and Tanahashi take on Doki, Kanemaru, Suzuki, Zack Sabre Jr., and Taishi. And then we get to your big three matches, Okada and Yujiro, Shingo versus El Desperado for the Never Openweight Championship, and Evil versus Hiromu for the IWGP Heavy and Intercontinental Championships. That's already going down on July 25th. Rick, there, there, there's no way Hiromu's winning this match. There's no way. 
I, I would agree with you, but again, you know, <laughs> take everything you you think you know, you believe, throw it out the window. I there's no way they make this move right now, but hell. What I would like to see though, I wish this was only for the Intercontinental Championship. I feel like we've got to split up those freaking belts. And that's, I kind of had here as we were closing things out, a couple of questions for you. When do we get to that? When is it time? I, I think it is. Like the sooner the better, as far as I'm concerned. I, I, I just, I don't like those two titles being tied together. And I, I particularly don't like them both being defended in one match. Yeah, it's just, you know, it just adds to the, the intrigue of the card and the build to have those things separated there. Uh, but, you know, you wonder how they're going to go about it. You know, do they, does Bullet Club, you know, pull like a DX-esque kind of move where they try to keep it in-house? Uh, does management step in and say, okay, you know, we, we gave Naoto permission to defend both of these things. We really didn't like it then, but we played along with it. We're, we're putting our foot down now. These are, are going to be defended separately, or we will strip you of one setting up, you know, a complete another build and crowning a new champion. I mean, there's a number of directions they could go. I kind of wish like Sugabayashi would come out and be like, uh, I, I realized that it was scheduled to be a double title match, but we're only going to allow Hiromu to compete for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship because he is the junior champion and they don't want the junior champion holding the heavyweight championship. Like I almost like, like if the office would intervene, and be like, no, That's we're, we're not yeah, this, doing it. is come and say, like, we were never crazy about this. And now that everything, the way it's happened out here, we're putting our foot down. You know, we're going to yeah. get back to some normalcy that's happening inside the, the structure of New Japan Pro Wrestling. I, that's what I, one of the things I was wondering about. When do we get back to that? Uh, one of the things that I had just actually had pop up here on my timeline, and it brings up another question I want to ask you about. Let's say, you know, you had rambled off there 20-something names. Of those, 12 to 15 don't have established other working agreements. If New Japan inside of itself does get back to a, a, a major focus on homegrown Japanese talent, what does it mean work-wise for the outsiders here? Who are the guys? You know, it, it's interesting. Because what trying to make me think about it here is uh, – Chase Owens, as we're talking about here from Bullet Club, uh, looks like he's going to be working some shows in Texas, some indie shows. Yeah, I'm I'm curious. Um, and he does, you know, he works with us here in Southern Ohio with Battle on the Border Pro Wrestling. Yeah, um, it, it's a curious situation because we don't know when the travel ban is going to be lifted. And unfortunately, as I look at things and the way that things seem to be trending inside of the media. I don't think it's going to be anytime soon that the travel restriction is going to be lifted from the United States to Japan. So my question is, if they are not back in Japan by Wrestle Kingdom, because that's four and a half months until Wrestle Kingdom, and I feel like that's a real possibility that that does not happen. How many of these guys' contracts expire on January 5th? Because we know that's how New Japan likes to run their contracts on a year-to-year -year basis, Wrestle Kingdom to Wrestle Kingdom. Especially when a lot of these guys all happen to be stuck in the same place, and it's down in Florida, 
and AEW is right up the street. Well, it's another point I want to bring in here. Not just AEW. You got NXT down there. Well, yeah, but I, I, I'm, I'm pointing to AEW for a specific reason. And I get there, but on the surface, as we say that initially, you know, when I bring this up, I'm sure a lot of people are like, oh, you know, immediately they're thinking, hey, you know, oh, be great AEW or, or NXT, red or blue or hell, Ring of Honor. There's, there's so much going on here in the states for them, but is there really? I mean, you you bring in twelve to fifteen names like that. There's only look at how many people are. I know I know things are kind of shut down right now, but we don't even know the structure of Western wrestling with live events in the need for talent. There's only so many positions to go around. I think it's time to open the forbidden door. I think it is time for all elite wrestling and new Japan pro wrestling to sit down and have a real big boy conversation and give the new Japan talent that is stuck in Florida, something to freaking do and an opportunity to go out and get a payday and get a good payday at that. Huckleberry, let me run this by you because I like this a lot. So Bullet Club invades AEW. Switchblade Jay White goes after John Moxley because Switchblade Jay White wants back the IWGP United States Championship. Moxley is still the IWGP US Champion. Oh yeah, and while I'm at it, you have this real nice other belt over your shoulder there. I think I'll take that too. And Switchblade Jay White beats John Moxley and becomes the AEW World Heavyweight Champion. Or I, I think you could spin things off here. I mean, how talk about the buzz if Switchblade was the one that cost Moxley the title to Cage, and yeah. then was kind of like, you know what? I'm not even. I'm not contracted to AEW. I'll let Cage run around with that. But I am here for that United that IWGP United States Championship. Well, here's where I, I I want Switchblade to win the AEW title for a specific reason. Because there's another match that we never got. We never got the blow off. Kenny Omega was outed from the Bullet Club and Switchblade Jay White took over the Bullet Club and Kenny Omega left New Japan Pro Wrestling. We never got the blow off between Switchblade and Omega. I feel like the only guy who could save all elite wrestling from the Bullet Club would have to be Kenny Omega. And that's your Kenny Omega singles push. He has to rescue the AEW World Heavyweight Championship from that dirty, rotten, knife, pervert, pirate, switchblade Jay White. Well, I think really across the board, I mean, you got everything there. You could work in where Jericho still is just being that pompous jackass that he is so brilliant at, where the inner circle doesn't want to take anything to do with anything. So it doesn't necessarily say it's AEW versus Bullet Club because you got inner circle there. Uh, everything that's involved with the elite. Yeah. G.O.D. versus the Bucks. Uh, give me G.O.D. versus the freaking Lucha Bros. Absolutely. And you can have, you know, teams like FTR Kenta coming in here and saying like, hey, we're just here for money. We'll take you guys on because we know it's a huge payday. We don't care. Our alliance isn't to, our alliance is that paycheck cashing. Our alliance isn't to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Our Anybody. alliance is to ruining all elite wrestling because of what you tried to do to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Right. And that's how you keep that divide so it doesn't end up 
turning into like NWO versus WCW. And then once they can go, you just, they go. And they can go back to Japan. But in the meantime, I think it's time to open the forbidden door. And I think it benefits both companies. Well, you know, we had kind of briefly talked about this yesterday. uh, Dr. Ted, Man Beast, he had mentioned it yesterday. I mean, in a time like this with so many talents just kind of sitting in limbo, how magnificent it would be to see just the Western promotion say, okay, let's, let's work a little bit here. Let's create that excitement that, you know, NXT guys could could show up for Ring of Honor here or at or an impact, but they're still under contract to somebody here. Just so you get those little bits of interest to, to try to bring back viewers in this. You and I are having a conversation just a few days ago about, you know, everyone getting so caught up in those Wednesday night numbers. And you and I were talking about, they don't need to be looking across the room at each other. They need to be looking in a mirror and figuring out what the hell they can do themselves. So for AEW, it's not worrying about catch, you know, key demographics or you know who's getting close to the 700 million between them and NXT. They need to focus on themselves and worry about how they can grow their own numbers personally. Absolutely, you open... You open that Pandora's box, you know, start negotiating, start working with New Japan and bring in those talents that are here. I mean, hell, someone even like a Rocky Romero can add so much. Yeah, absolutely. Or even Jeff have, Cobb. Right. That doesn't even have to get involved with the shit that's going on between Bullet Club and the Elite. Right. I mean, if the talents are here and my understanding is New Japan is still paying everybody their base salary, let right. them work. You're you're saving on that dime, you know. Maybe there's some kind of compensation set, you know, set back and forth here. Whatever you can come to an agreement with, come to the agreement with it. Because and then for for New Japan, all you're really doing, you're getting that tremendous advertising. Yeah, absolutely. And you're and that's what you were, you know, before all of this happened. What they were thriving, you know, striving so hard for was to try to, you know, sink their teeth into that Western market. This is a an incredible gateway for you here. And I'm sorry, you know, and a lot of people, as we were talking about, only so many seats at the table. You know, AEW's got a loaded roster of people that are just trying to get a snip of the of TNT time uh, that are just, you know, stranded on Dark Island. I'm sorry, reality of the situation is we're talking about the importance right now of must-see television and producing numbers. The individuals that we listed off there from New Japan Pro Wrestling are going to move the needle much more so then uh, a sunny kiss, uh, uh, whoever Kip Sabian and Penelope for whatever the hell. More so than the revival. I mean, like if if word got out that Bullet Club showed up at AEW and took out the elite next week, I don't care what NXT puts on television. That's going to draw. That's going to pop a rating because people are going to want to see what in the hell just happened. Well, and then when you put, you know, FTR into that thing, it's just going to help grow it. You know, where, where do they you know, stand? How, right. And man, and how much like, would you love to see a guy, like those two guys in World Tag League? Oh, please. I'd love to see that. Well, he, as much as, you know, when they were making their exit, you and I were talking about, man, Crockett Cup, please. 
we regularly, you know, we had seen an incredible series of matches with, um, with Bullet Club and the Briscoes. Yeah. With the Tongans and the Briscoes. Regenerate that. Give it to me again, except fucking put FTR in the spot. Yeah. It's a damn shame. Ring of Honor is not doing nothing, you know? So it's like. Yeah. I mean, they're on, sh- they're on shutdown right now. I mean, it's. And, Send and them the up the street future. to Jacksonville and let's get to work. Let's make some money. I mean, damn, think of how much merch Tomatonga could sell at an AEW. Man, come on. It's time to open the forbidden door. It's time. Rick, this was a hell of a lot of fun. Always a good conversation. I'm happy that you got the the, the chance to jump on here due to uh, Big Ray's misfortune. Shout out to Big Ray. Hope that you're feeling better if you even listen to Destino because, you know, he loves that karate wrestling. Why don't you uh, go ahead and put over everything you got going on because you're a busy, busy man these days. Am I really? Do I have anything going on? Well, I, I don't know. But, hey, I mean, two but, million but do. downloads. Uh, in all seriousness, you know, for Big Ray, he's going to have a lot of free time on his hands. We'll get uh, watching so was, some karate wrestling one of these I, days. I was talking to him yesterday. Uh, he and I are going to be working on a few projects, just uh, promotional material, things like that. Promotional consideration, you know, his wonderful stuff like that. But uh, but for the best of him, good vibes, good health. He's got a couple days before he goes in there. He's got uh, quite a little bit of recovery ahead of him. A couple weeks, I believe. A couple weeks. Uh, but for me, myself, uh, this afternoon... Uh, I got a few more hours here of class. I'm going to wrap back up. Hey, actually, this is the cool part. As I'm sitting here recording with you, I'm actually counting this toward my lab hours. Very nice. Well <laughs> so done. Double, double dipping, double dipping. Well uh, but I'm also heading You're out You're like an unpaid intern. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also heading out this afternoon to do a little uh, video work for I'm RBV and I'm hungry for more d- delicious of the day, but we're coming at you in video form. So I'm going to hit a couple spots. Uh, put together a little pilot episode or a few little short clips there. So looking forward to that. As always, you can uh, check me out on Mondays on with the Hameen Media Group at uh, hackerhameen.poppy.com inside the Monday locker room with my myself, Ben Hameen, and the Man Beast. I guess between then, though, you can keep up with me across all social media platforms at the Real RBV. Very nice. I'm going to get Dr. Man Beast on here, too. He wants to get into some New Japan. I'm going to make that happen. All right, man, this is awesome. We'll do it again soon. All right, thank you. That wraps up yet another edition of Decino. Thanks to the real RBV, Richard Bronson Vickery, my favorite Huckleberry, for joining me this week. Thanks to our friends over at Hami Media. Congratulations on 2 million downloads. The HDM Podcast Network, NDPW.com, LastWordOnProWrestling.com, as well as the GorillaPosition.com and the PW Hustle. Thank you for listening, and if you haven't already, please subscribe to the feed. Just search Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling Podcast, on your favorite listening device, and hook us up with one of those five-star ratings, because it helps out in the algorithm. Find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Find the show at DestinoPod, online at DestinoPod.com. Enjoy New Japan Road and Sengoku Lord. Don't forget to check out the White Belt Tournament for Stardom, and we will talk to you next time back here on Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling Podcast. Adios. Thank you.